Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? You got to make some noise because it's been a while since I've been up here because Pastor Chris did a series that I said, it's all yours. You got it. I believe in you and I'm going to let you run with that one. Not that I don't, I don't understand and believe everything he was going to preach. I just didn't want the glares when y'all were like, what? Uh, I don't believe you. But then God said, oh, you're preaching Mother's Day. And guess what? We're still talking about rethink here. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So it's been two weeks of me trying to prepare for this. I'm going to move my table over here. Hopefully I'm not out of the shot. But So it's been two weeks of me trying to prepare for this because I was like, God, seriously? I don't want the glares. Some of you might know what I'm about to talk about and where I'm going when I start this because some of you guys have been on this journey for a little bit as well of unpacking and rethinking some of the scriptures. And so I actually probably should open my message if we're going to even start. But anyways, all of that to say is I need you to talk back to me because it's been a while since I've been up here and I love it. But guys, now that we're back in person, I love it more to hear from you guys. I don't have to stare at my phone and it's like, oh, who's on this morning? Let me see if they're giving me some likes. (laughs) Are there any hearts popping up? (laughs) I don't have to do that. Y'all are here to say amen. So at least I know. Okay. They're here with me, okay? If you're not a loud person, I get it. I tend to be a little loud. I taught taught kids' church. (laughs) I taught kids' church for a bit. And you know that if you teach kids, anyone that's a teacher or anyone that has served in the children's ministry, you normally don't have this thing called a mic. And so you teach with the volume of your voice. And moms grandmas, adopted moms, teachers of any kind, you know that our voices are meant to carry. So I could teach you all today without this mic, but I would prefer to have my voice when I leave today because I used to leave kids' church with no voice. My husband probably liked that because you just heard him say, hi. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, (laughs) y'all. We have the blessing of a loud voice. Some of you guys have soft voices. That's a blessing as well. Not trying to discriminate against anybody's voice, okay? But we are going to start this morning. I have a, I would say a handful, but I'm actually going to say two handfuls of scriptures that have a common theme that runs through them that I want to start off with today to start helping us unpack something that we may have never heard or have ever been, you know, it's never been addressed before for us. So we're going to start with uh, two handfuls of scriptures. (laughs) And first one is, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for human to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him, but for the human, no suitable, suitable, suitable helper was found. That's in Genesis 2, 18 and 20. The next scripture says, It says, for Moses said, my father's God was my helper. And I'm going to just skip all of the references. You guys can see your screenshot if you need to, just so I can get through these. Hear, O Lord, the cry of Judah. Bring him to his people. With his own hands, he defends his cause. 
Oh, be his help against his foes. There is no God like the God of Jehesaron. I believe that's correct. If not, you can tell me later. Who rides on the heavens to help you and on the clouds of his majesty? Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you and people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and the help of your glorious sword, the helper and your glorious sword. May he send help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. We wait in hope. Let's back up. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. <clears throat> I'm going to slow down so you guys can keep up with me. Sorry, guys. I'm like, this is two handfuls of scriptures, not just a handful. I'm trying to get through it for you guys so I don't lose you because there's a lot of content. Yet I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O oh God. You are my help and my deliverer. I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man among the people. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. I lift my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hang with me. We're almost wrapping it up. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Blessed is he who wrote. I'm going to move back over here. Who? Blessed is he. I'm trying to make sure I've got the right scriptures lining up here. He whose help is the God of Jacob, whose help is in the Lord, his God. I will scatter to the winds all those around him, his staff and all his troops, and I will pursue him with a drawn sword. When they fall, they will receive little help. You, next one, sorry, you are destroyed, O Israel, because you are against me, against your helper. All right, guys. You saw the common theme. I highlighted it to make it even even easier. I probably shouldn't have did that, but I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and help uh, everyone uh, understand that. So as I read those scriptures that, were, that we just went through, all of those, I was highlighting that word help or helper that was, that was um, all throughout those scriptures. I believe that there's a common theme that we run into or issue as humanity that we deal with despite your race, your gender, your economic status. I'm going to open this water bottle. This, uh, your economic status, your title, whatever label you want to put out there, there is a common theme that has ran through humanity from the very beginning, and that is who are we? Who are we? And I'm not talking about the who are we like, oh, I'm a pastor or I'm a mom. I'm talking about at the core, who are we? At the very core of every human is the desire to really know who we are called to be. I remember in my early 20s, I felt like I was on this search. Like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Yes, my desire was to have kids. Yes, my desire was to be married. Yes, my desire was all these different things. But really, who am I? And I was searching for that for so long. And I know that since today is Mother's Day, Ladies, I wanted to hit on this topic about what it means to be a helper, what it means to be azer. As you can see, that word, it looks like it should sound different. It's actually pronounced azer, and it's probably more azer with this th 
thing on it. I can't do that very well, but some of you can. That's how it's actually pronounced, and we're going to go into that. And I also know that Mother's Day, for some, we wear it as a, as a badge of honor. But I also know for some, it's not always the most pleasant day. I know that, there, that this day may accompany, may bring pain with it. It may bring a longing with it. It may bring joy and excitement. And I think that it's all of that is okay. Whatever you, wherever you find yourself at today on this Mother's Day, it's okay. God sees you. He's with you. That song that we just sang, he goes before us, behind us. He's in everything. It, within us, he says, in our weeping and in our crying, in our rejoicing and in, the, in our, you know, shouting, all of those things. He's with us. So I want you to know that if you are in a spot where it's not where I'm wearing a badge of honor or I'm excited about today, you are seen and you matter. I wanted you to know that from the very beginning because as we go through this, it's going to help you see that whatever badge you've tried to put on, whatever label you've tried to wear, it goes beyond that. Your identity of who you are goes way deeper than that. <clears throat> and, and don't hear what I'm not saying. Our roles that we play in life matter because they matter because they're going to teach us how to be better humans. They're going to teach us and grow us and stretch us to be better relationally for others. So don't hear that I'm saying it doesn't matter what you do. It totally does. You know, own, own those things that you do because it's going to stretch you and grow you. But it is not who you are. And that might be hard to hear, but it's not. It's not who we are. We're going to go back to Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And if you know, this is the very beginning of the Bible, and this is where God has created all of these things. Everything's being created in the sixth day, seventh day is rest. But we haven't got to the seventh day of rest yet, so we're going to go to Genesis 1, 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle created, sorry, over the cattle, over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? Remember that. In God's image, he created them. We're going to jump now to Genesis 2, the next chapter, verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> and it says, the Lord the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird in the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Isn't that interesting? Like, I always find that interesting. Like, who would come up with all of these names for these animals? Just, that's totally a side note. That's just weird. Adam did. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to the cattle, to the birds, to the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So I want to spend some time unpacking these terms used to describe God's creation of man and woman. We see that in the first account of Genesis, God says, let us make man, which is Adam or Adam, which actually stands for humanity. Let us make humanity in our image. Then we go to Genesis 2. This kind of confused me too, because then we go to Genesis 2 and we see things shift where God created woman after all of the animals and after all of them had been named because there wasn't a comparable partner or helper for Adam. I believe because of how we have interpreted these scriptures 
we can misunderstand God's original intent. And when I say original intent, we always have to go back to what was his original intent. If you were a part of any of the series from the Rethink over the last couple months, you know that you got to go back to the original intent, to God's heart, right? We have to go back. So God created us male and female with something within us. And I believe the church or culture or our society has done a great job at putting a lot of things or something on us that is not God's original intent. You see, what's in us matters way more than what's been put on us. And if you, if, if you are in this room or listening, you know that. You know that you walk around with stresses of life that feel too heavy to carry. You walk around with the, the things that other people think about you, which how do you even know what they're thinking about you? You just assume it, right? But you walk around and you put that on yourself. We wear the stress and the burden of something that's been put on us versus what's been put in us. <clears throat> but when we realize, if we don't realize how we have read something into these scriptures that is not the heart of God from the beginning, we won't know what's in us. We won't be able to get past what's been put on us. So the word helper or help meet in most of the translations in Genesis, based on which translation you're reading, which, by the way, all of this stuff has been translated so many times, guys, and it is actually not even an original language because we are reading it in English. So when we read things in English, it gets misinterpreted sometimes, right? I mean, remember the game Telephone? Come on, guys. These are scriptures that were written thousands and thousands of years ago. Obviously, there's going to be some things that get mixed up in, the, in the, the translations of these. But the word helper or help me in Genesis 1 and 2 is azer, which is in Hebrew. All right. The word often received by us in the English language as helper doesn't really define it truly. Okay, and let me explain that. When I was, when I first came into church, I was a teenager, so I wasn't raised, like, per se, in understanding all of these roles, but I owned them when I finally learned about them, because I was like, that's what I need to be, to be a good wife, Proverbs 31. Um, no shade. Um, but... I owned that role, and the word helper for me and what I was taught and what I read in every great Christian book about marriage was that I was to be a subordinate. I was to be like an assistant to lift you up, to make sure that you follow your dreams, to make sure that you are walking out what God has for you in your life as my husband. That's what I believed. That's not how I was raised. I was raised with strong women who were like, whatever. <laughs> but I got into the church, and there was this teaching that was really dominant in our culture of that you were to be a submissive wife. Guys, submissive, I'm not saying don't be submissive, but it, there's mutuality in that. There is times where I'm going to push back a little bit as a wife, and that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean that he's wrong. It means that we need to discuss those things and be in agreement about those things. That was totally not on the script there. Um, but my question is, is if this is what God's originally talking about, 
the helper that we've translated to be in English, then what about women who don't get married? Do they have lesser value to the body of Christ, to humanity, if they are not a helper to a man? Would you ever tell someone they have lesser value? No. So what are we missing? What would, would you ever tell a widow who now has lost a spouse that they have lesser value because they are no longer in the role that we thought they should be in? No. But we do those things inadvertently because we make this about husbands and wives only. We as the church have made something that God intended for humanity to see as his fullness, a glimpse of his goodness created in the image of him between a man and a woman, whether they're married or not married, doesn't lose their value. What he's placed in us is in us. Despite the role you play, despite what's been put on you, your value is in him. But what we've seen for generation after generation, because we've not understood this fully, I've not understood this fully, is we've seen women searching for a voice. We've seen women searching for a voice. And we find generations of men who carry a burden way heavier than they should ever have to carry. They do. They take the weight of everything and feel that they have to carry that. That's not God's intent. It's not. And I'm going to unpack that. I know, I know I might be getting some looks like, hold up, back up. This don't make sense. I get it. I've had this message for about five years, guys. <laughs> and when I got it, I was set free <laughs> because I was like, what? All these desires in me, it's not me being a rebellious wife. Jesus, yes. <laughs> Y'all, I'm telling you, it set me free. And so I know that it could be, it can be a little, it could be a little challenging. But we have seen generations of people searching, generations of women searching for a voice. And sometimes in that search, we see the pendulum swing so far, so far over that we're like, ooh. I'm not over there, but I'm definitely not over here anymore. I'm somewhere in the middle. Let me just pull these people this way and pull these people back this way, and then we'll have this common ground. That's where I find myself at often. But let me ask you a few things. This hit me this week. I was actually at the gym listening to another church pastor preach because I was needing some motivation. And it was a pretty good message. So I was listening, and I was trying not to cry at the gym while I'm lifting weights. That is not okay. I'm like, I'm going I'm to have to go to the bathroom in a minute. I'm just going to leave my mask on because then I can disguise it. Like, if I'm no one's really close to me, I can pull my mask down and breathe and not feel like I'm being claustrophobic. Phobic. <sighs> Don't call me out, guys. I know. Um, but I was trying not to cry because this is what I heard the Lord say. And I'm going to ask these questions to you. You don't have to answer. But why is it when God, the God of the universe, is called helper or helpmeet, and I gave you a ton of scriptures to see this, why is it when he is called helpmeet, he doesn't lose value? 
He doesn't become less than and he doesn't become weak, right? Would you say that about God, that he is less than or he's weak in this moment? When we call God helper, we often believe him to be our all in all. Remember, if you've been brought up in church, you know that song, he is our all in all. I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing. That's Pastor Chris's job. He is our all in all, right? We say that about God. He is our all in all. He is our helper. When the Bible translate this, translates this word to helper, help me, which is azer for women, generation after generation has placed that as a value of less than. As less than. Or someone who isn't strong. So God as helper is strong. But women as helper, the exact same word translated the exact same way, is someone who is to be submissive, who is to be quiet because she's fragile. And surely she can't lead because she is not a man. And that's a man's job. Let me tell you, this might be foreign to you because of the culture you've been brought up in. This might be foreign. This might not be how you act in your own relationships. This might not be how it is at your job because you may be a manager. You may be a boss. You may be whatever where you actually lead over men. You may have that job and that role. And praise God if you do, because we're in a world that is moving forward. But when I scrolled through Facebook yesterday, guys, I'm telling you, my heart, like, jumps for joy when I see movement forward in this area. But when I scroll through Facebook and I see, no naming of this place, I see a mega church that does tons of stuff. From California, they're in California doing tons of stuff. Mega, mega church, guys. When I see that this weekend in 2021 was their first time ever ordaining three women pastors, we are not that far removed from where women can't do things. We are not that far removed from the mindset that says you are weaker and you cannot do these things because that's not your role. So we may not experience and experience it personally, but all around our country, guys, women are. And we are a voice for the women who are. Just because you don't doesn't mean that we don't get to be that voice for them. Okay? So I have had that on my heart for years. Anyways, I'm going to keep going. I have a few words that describe Azer. Okay? I, I think it's on a slide up here. Uh, it's a verb for helper. It is to their, sorry, it's to rescue, to save, to be strong, to defend, to protect, to surround, and to cherish. I didn't make these up. I really didn't, I promise you. But when you go study it out in the Hebrew language and you go to blueletterbible.com and you go in and you start digging and you start searching as to how is this, what is the original intent, God, you'll see this. You will see this, guys. I'm excited. Azer appears 21 times in the Old Testament, twice in reference to the first female that was created, the first woman that was created, three times in reference to the nation to whom Israel appealed for military support, and 16 times in reference to God as helper of Israel. The word evokes both benevolence, which is kindness, and strength. This is important stuff to
to understand. When we all, or we all know that there are many, many titles that we wear to describe ourselves, whether you're a man or a woman, you wear titles and it's okay. These are all roles we have gained throughout our lifetime to help someone else better understand who we are. When you introduce yourself, what's the first thing a lot of people say? What do you do? That's a, that's a title you wear. That's a role you've, you've identified with, right? But often, so many of us can get lost within those roles. And the things we do that cause us to forget who we are, God's original int- intent for us. When we forget who we are, we begin to search high and low. And I know, like, hear what I'm saying. I've been here. I'm still here. I still am searching sometimes. I'm still having to go back and be like, God, like, what you've placed in me matters more than what you've placed on me or what I've placed on me or what someone else has placed on me. So here I'm preaching this with passion because I am with you. I am still trying to walk this journey out and own who God has called me to be within. I'm with you guys. But we search high and low for some sense of value and worth. I am wanting to remind you and myself, like I said, that each of us, the titles we carry are important. But what is most important is the thing inside of us, within us, that God has placed inside of each one of us. Because when we get older, and I keep getting older for some reason, guys, and I don't like it. Can we, like, push pause? My kids can keep growing to where they're all kind of more self-sustainable. But I don't want to keep getting older. But as you get older, your titles change, correct? You may gain new titles. You may become from mom to grandma or from sister to aunt. Your titles change from employee to boss. Praise God if that happens. But our titles change. And things happen when those titles change sometimes for us. Sometimes it can come with little despair or it can come with joy. But ultimately, the older we get, we will lose some of those titles. And what we have to know that will sustain us without a shadow of a doubt is what's within us. So, Some describe the word azer as a warrior. And when I first heard that, I was like, yes, that is like amazing, an azer warrior. And then I started thinking as we started unpacking some of this, um, this, uh, not rethink, but when Chris and I personally started unpacking some things about how we understood God to be, I was like, well, that word warrior kind of brings this violent sense to it. Like you're supposed to be violent and come with all this metal protective gear and swords and stuff. But when I looked it up on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a pers- it says a person engaged or experienced in warfare, broadly stating a person engaged in some struggle or conflict. When I read that, I was like, yes, that definitely describes an azer because we have all engaged in some type of struggle and conflict. As you go back through all of the Old Testament, as you go through all of the New Testament, women have been engaged in some type of of warfare or struggle of conflict for identity. So it matches for me now. I'm like, yes, I'm an Azer warrior. I will own that because it's not about me coming in with swords blazing and ready to knock you out. No, 
It's about I've been through conflict, and because of that, we have stretched and grown. The other word that I want to talk a little bit about is the comparable. That word is connect is connecto in the Hebrew. It is a corresponding partner, someone who is corresponding to, as in front of, this meaning his perfect match. It is mutuality or a partnership of harmony, a partnership of harmony. What was that, sorry, that was the creation intent for us to have a partnership of mutuality. But something happened called the fall that we know of in church language is the fall happened. And when that happened, Adam became the one who ruled over Eve. So before that, guys, everything was them. They will rule over. They will have dominion over. They will tend to the fields. They, they, man, woman. Eve and Adam, I'm not going to leave him out, ate from the fruit. So then God goes into Genesis 3.16, and he's issuing what is going to happen for Eve. It says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. I are in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So breaking this down, I want to spend some time talking about us looking like God. We know after our Rethink series that we go and we look at Jesus to understand what God looks like, right? If you've not, like I said, if you've not listened to that series, go back. It's a couple months of, of amazing unpacking of that. But Jesus is the one that we are to best understand the image of God through. So remember, when Jesus came, the people wanted a Savior, right? Everybody knows that. They wanted a Savior. They wanted a warrior Savior, right? Yeah. They wanted someone to come in and, like, rescue them. We still do that today, guys. We always want whoever's going to lead us to have a strong personality, right? We want them to have a strong personality. We want them to be able to take no mess. Like, you got to hold down the fort. Don't take no mess from nobody, right? Okay, I'm just saying, this is what I hear. (laughs) (sighs) Y'all, we do this now. We do it now. We would have been probably some of the people who were like, that's not Jesus. He don't look the way we thought he was going to look. But when I look at Jesus in his time on this earth, he didn't match that vision they had for him. We've been through a lot of that. He wasn't wearing some armor that protected him from everything. He wasn't carrying a sword. One of his disciples did and cut the ear off, and Jesus was like, no, that's not what we do. So he wasn't coming in with a sword. He was more of the description of the warrior that I described from the dictionary's definition. I would go as far to say that Jesus or the image of God that Jesus was revealing didn't match what had been taught to the people for generations, so he wasn't received. And one thing I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, is that when we step into the identity that's been placed within us, when you step into that, you will be mistaken too, much like Jesus was. We have things that will be said about us, much like Jesus did. You will. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened already, it will happen when you start stepping and owning what's been put inside of you. When we start revealing the heart of God that was revealed by Christ, you will no longer fit the mold that the world has placed on you. You will not fit the mold that the world has placed on you. When you begin to reclaim the identity given to us as men and women 
from the very beginning, the beginning of creation, Genesis 1, when we step into that, we will be mistaken. Society wants to tell us, society tells us to stay in that fallen state. That state that happened in Genesis 3, stay there. But the problem with that is Christ came and he revealed something different. He came and he revealed the redemptive state, or better yet, the intent of God from the very beginning. And uh, I used to be on a mission, guys, about five years ago when I heard this. I was on a mission to make sure that every woman knew who they were meant to be from the very beginning, which is why at the very beginning I told you I had tension with preaching this message. Because when I've shared this message before, I've had no problem sitting with ladies or speaking on a stage in front of ladies saying, here's who God's called you to be. No problem at all. I'll share it with my husband all day long. And so me and God had this like, I don't know, out and out this week as to why he's asking me to share this with with a mixed crowd. Why am I having to share this with men? Because women, in my mind, We need to know, and we need to walk this out. And this is what God said, because he's like, no, no. We all need to know, because a partnership doesn't just take one owning their identity. A partnership takes two owning their identity. It takes allies. It takes men coming alongside of women and saying, you know what? You're not living in Genesis 3 anymore. We're living the redemption that Christ brought us, which goes back to Genesis 1, which was the original intent for man and woman to be in union, to be working together, to be proclaiming the goodness of God. And the only way we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, and I absolutely fully believe this, and this is why we're not seeing it, is because we're in this battle We're in this battle of who's better. Oh, I'm stronger. You're weak. You can't lead like that. You can't rule over me. It's not about that. And guys, ladies, you know if you have stepped into a role of leadership, you have probably heard the very roles said or words said to you. That's not your role. Right? I know you've heard it. I've heard it. It's not your role. That's why men and women alike need to know what is God's original intent for us as humanity. When, it's, when his name is said Adam, it's Adam. Humanity, you and me, when we actually walk out the intent that God has for us, I'm telling you, you might be mistaken like Jesus was, but we will bring heaven to earth like God intended. We will see his goodness I see when I go look at the life of Jesus, because I always go back to Jesus, and God helped reveal this to me this week as I'm preparing this message, because I love studying out the life of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't leave anyone out. He didn't exclude somebody. He went to the people that we sometimes won't even go to as Christians. He went to the people that looked dirty, that were the people that are like, oh, you can't hang out with them. They're going to cause you to stumble. No, Jesus went to them. I see in Scripture in the story of Martha and Mary. We all hear that proclaimed, right? If you go to any type of church service, you are going to hear about women from the pulpit. But often the stories you hear is you hear the negative impact. 
that they've had on society. Or you hear how they're not doing something. Very, very few times do you hear positive messages about women from the Bible. But I want to show you something. In the story of Martha and Mary, Jesus allowed Mary to sit in a place where, by tradition, only men were allowed to sit. Only men were allowed to sit at the feet of a teacher and listen. And what did, what did Jesus say to Martha? I will not take that away from her. Jesus defends her. I see Jesus making sure to take the attention off the woman brought before him who was in the very act of adultery. How do I see that? Because Jesus kneels down. And what happens when somebody kneels down and there's a crowd around you and they start writing in the dirt? Where do your eyes go? They go down because you're like, oh, what's he writing? What's he saying to her? Because we're all like that. We all want to know what's about to happen. But what did Jesus do? He removed their eyes from the woman who was brought in the act of adultery. He protects and he rescues her in that moment. He takes their eyes off of her. I see Jesus takes a route. He goes out of his way to speak to this woman at the well, which based on tradition, again, he should not be doing. Why are you going to talk to this woman at noonday or however it's put? You're not supposed to do that. He sends his disciples away to go get some food or something. Because he knows. He knows where they're at. But he goes to this woman out of his way to help this woman see her value. To help her be set free from all the things that have been put on her. All the labels that she was wearing. What did he do? He cherished her and he saved her. I see Jesus having women in his ministry who helped fund his ministry. Did y'all know that? Jesus had women in his ministry who helped fund his ministry. Did you hear about many guys doing that? I haven't studied the Bible, I guess, enough, but I've not read where the men are helping support Jesus's ministry moving forward. But even in doing that, the translations have tried to remove one of the female's names and make it a masculine name. It's actually Junia, which possibly could be Joanna, one of the ladies named Joanna. Joanna, I say Joanna because that's my daughter's name. Joanna, but it's even been taken away from her. And what does Jesus do? He sees them as strong. He sees these women as strong because they are helping support his mission. I see Jesus revealing himself to the women after his resurrection. Lord, I love this story. I love it because I'm like, Jesus rose and he counted these women faithful to be the ones that he appeared to first. Why? Because he sees them as warriors. He knows that they are going to get that message back to those men and they're going to know Jesus is risen, okay? Just saying, Azer, because he knows, Azer, because he knows their battle, and they have been through many trials, these ladies that saw him. So he knows, he knows he can count on them. He sees them as warriors. All of these encounters help point out the value that is within each of us, not based on what has been put on us, even by ourselves, not based on that. We have allowed our roles, we have allowed our titles and our societal norms or sins or the shameful things that we've done that, have, that we've put on ourselves as men and women, both together, 
to define who we are. We sometimes forget who we are at the core. And I want to, I want to, all of these words I use to describe help meet Azer as a comparable partner to man. And this is not from the stance, like I said, from the very beginning about a married couple. This is individual man and female. And I want to share some titles that we wear. I'm going to grab this board here. I'm going to, can you grab it? I was like, I'm going to have to go out of the camera. I want to describe some titles that we wear. And I say we because I, I'm with you guys. And these, all, these actually are f- more for women because today's Mother's Day. But these are some titles that we wear or that we've allowed to be put on us. Dependent, sensitive, talkative, attractive, nagging, weak, emotional. Those ones I said first because when I looked up descriptive words for a woman, those were a few, and I say a few, that were made to describe a female. Okay? These are a few of the titles we wear. Mom, daughter, grandma, wife, sister. Those are a few of the things that we put on ourselves. All right? I want you to see something, though. Because these are the things we put on ourselves, not what God puts on us to describe, describe woo, what's within us. This is what God intended from the very beginning. These are the words that he has to describe a woman. God wants us to remember that these, this is, with, is what is within each of us, that we are an azer to protect, a helper, to rescue, to cherish, to be strong, to defend, to surround, and to save. And in closing, I want you to know these are all descriptive words that reveal Christ's mission on earth. As I read every one of those encounters with women, every one of these words came about with those stories of the women in the Bible. I told you how he cherished the women, how he saw them as, or how he rescued the woman. I told you how he showed them that they were strong. I showed you how he defended her. I showed you how he surrounded her and how he saved them. All of the words that God gave us to describe who we are from the very beginning are the exact same words that describe Christ. Men and women together, when we step into these descriptive words, when we step into these words, we reveal Christ to the world. We get to show the world who God is. I don't care whether you're a man or a woman, this is who we are to be. Ladies, this is who we are to be. This is what is within us, and it's exciting because this is where we get to see his goodness flow through us. Sorry if I pray. I'm going to pray and close this before we go into a worship song. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person that was here today or tuned in, Lord God, that, that you were able to bring some clarity and some understanding to who we are. 
that you help us see today that all the things that we've piled on ourselves, all the weights that we carry sometimes, all the stress that we, we try and carry on our own that we're not meant to, that we will release that, that we'll sit with our arms wide open and embrace what is within us, the original intent of who we're meant to be, and we'll own that. And we won't feel ashamed and we won't feel guilty, but we'll rejoice because we know when we as humanity stand in the identity that you created us to stand in, that we will see your goodness flowing through us and all around us. In Jesus' name, amen.